At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 501st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who educates people on how to cook with vegetables. We're talking with Sonia Overheiser about eating more plants. Sonia is the writer behind the award-winning food blog, A Couple Cooks, and author of the book, Pretty Simple Cooking, named the best vegetarian cookbook by Epicurious and Food and Wine. Along with her husband, Alex, the couple has a worldwide following for their vegetarian and plant-based recipes. She's also author of the recipe series with Washington Post food called Voraciously Plant-Powered on how to cook more plant-forward meals. Featured everywhere from the Today Show to Bon Appetit, Sonia is a national advocate for healthy and sustainable eating to improve our health, communities, and the planet. Welcome to the show today, Sonia. Are you ready to rock? I am so ready. Awesome. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Sure. Well, it really started out of a passion for cooking at home and eating lots of delicious, healthy, and wonderful for you foods. So my husband, Alex, and I got married. We didn't know anything about food. We were eating fast food and frozen food. I was eating things like hot pockets for dinner. And (laughs) we realized we wanted to have people over for dinner and we couldn't feed them this stuff. So we started learning to cook. And we just started surrounding ourselves with other people who love to cook. We started watching cooking shows and getting all sorts of cookbooks and just immersing ourselves in the world of food. And I used to say, I can't cook, but I decided, okay, I I really want to learn how to do this. And little by little, we started learning how to do it. And around that time, we read a book by Mark Bittman called Food Matters. And that really challenged us to look at the way that food affects our bodies and the planet. And the book really talked about just eating more vegetables, not necessarily going vegetarian or vegan, but just eating more meals with vegetables and so we started doing it and we found that they were super delicious and we felt better and we wanted to eat more vegetables. So we started just making a lot of those recipes for friends and family. They asked us how they could make them too and we decided to start putting them online. So we started a food blog. It was back in 2010 when everyone was starting blogs and we said, okay, well, let's put this online. And that has kind of grown into our business today over the past nine years. So um, fast forwarded today, we have a cookbook and we're able to full-time just create delicious recipes and connect with people all over the world who want to eat more healthy, nutritious meals. Wow. So you said you do this full-time. 
We do, yeah. The two of us were able to make a jump from our careers in business over to full-time recipe developing. That is totally epic. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> well, being, you know, being you. somebody that has been self-employed for 44 years, I know that it takes a commitment and a jump to get into a business. I've done it many times. And to be able to go and do what you love, that's really what this podcast is all about, is getting people inspired to go out and do what they love. And it sounds like you're there. We are. Every day I'm pinched myself thinking about that. I get to you know, sit in my kitchen and develop recipes and take photos of them and share them with people oh, around oh. the world who make them and tell us that they love them or they made them for their kids and their kids love them. And it, it definitely feels surreal. Nice. So given you do this full time, what does a typical day look like? Sure. Well, there's a lot of variety, as with, I'm sure, many entrepreneurs who work for themselves. But most days we are in our kitchen testing recipes. So we're very rigorous about testing our recipes. We test them at least two to three to four times per recipe. And then we also photograph all the food together. So actually, we were just in the middle of starting a photo shoot. So we do a lot of shooting. We also shoot video. And then we do a lot of computer work because there's a lot of back end technology-related yeah. items with running a website that has a thousand recipes on it. So a lot of computer work. And then um, we also work with some brands to get uh, the word out about their products. And we will make recipes with their products. So we align with brands that are good for you, whole foods, a lot of times organic and we've been able to find a lot of great partners. So there's a lot of maintenance involved in those relationships too. So it's either, yeah, computer work or making recipes. And then we do a lot of work with the community. I started an organization called Indie Women in Food that seeks to support women working in the food industry here in Indianapolis. So if it's not working in my kitchen, then I'm out going to events, supporting local women in the community. So there's a, there's a big variety. Nice. And you get to eat well every day. We do. We eat every single thing that you see on our website. All of those beautiful pictures that Alex has captured, then we just eat it right afterwards. So. Nice. You said something in your introduction that I hear a, a lot of people say about gardening, and that is that they don't know how to garden or that they have a brown thumb. And you said you didn't know how to cook. And that's something that both you and I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis when we're interacting with people. How do you address that? I think that is something that holds a lot of people back when they say, you know, I could never do that. I have so many people who tell me, I could never cook like you. And that's why I love sharing our story is because I felt that same exact way. And I think that one thing that I like to encourage people with is just taking baby steps. And that's why Alex and I are still doing this today is because we took a tiny baby step to start cooking one new recipe. And I like to tell people that you don't have to have all the right pots and pans or the right knives or all the right spices or no really anything to start with. You just need to start with one recipe, get all the ingredients for that, get the equipment that you need for that, and try it. And if you don't like it, then hang in there and try another one and just keep kind of going from there. Don't feel like you have to have it all figured out at the start. 
And then the other thing I would say is to find a buddy or a partner or someone to do this with you. And I think that's the other reason why Alex and I are still doing what we do today is because we had that person living in the same house saying, you can do this. And when we would fail, the other person would say, it's okay, you can try again tomorrow. And that the human element of this learning a new skill and having someone right there along with you, encouraging you to keep trying. That was another reason. And that's another great way to have success in any endeavor, whether it be gardening or cooking or anything. I have to tell you, you said that and I got chills because Heidi and I have been together for seven years now and I have never cooked so much in my life. And I basically do the dishes and I stand back and sous chef for her. But we cook most every night something together. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a great that. partnership thing to do. And it's fun. I yeah. mean, it is, it's so fun. Not only does it give you a meal on the table and nourish your bodies and give you energy, it's also just a fun activity to do together. So you're getting your quality time and your meal and your entertainment all in one. Right, exactly. So are you making up these recipes or are you finding them and improving them? Yeah, so we, all of our recipes are original. So we create every single one of them. We do research and we look at other people's recipes in cookbooks or online, but all of our recipes are original. We're very rigorous about making sure we're not plagiarizing off of anyone and all of our concepts are things that we have created. In your bio, we introduced you as somebody that participates or works with Plant Forward. What does that mean? We have found that there are all sorts of different words for what it means to eat more vegetables, and some are polarizing to people. Some people don't love the word vegan or vegetarian. We're seeing, even in the last several months to a year, there's a big push for plant-based, and people are seeming to find that pretty friendly. Some people define plant-based as vegan, so 100% not sourced from any animal products, but some people just use it to say mostly plants. So we've started using the term plant-forward to mean any recipe that is almost fully vegetable that can be vegetarian or vegan or just something that is mostly made of vegetables. And why is it important to be heading toward a plant-forward diet? Yeah, so this reflects back to the book that we read called Food Matters, which really talked about back 10 years, 10, 15 years ago when it came out, it talked about how um, eating plants is better for our bodies and is also better for the planet. And that was kind of new research. Those were kind of new ideas back in the day. But even recently, we've been seeing a lot more research that is showing that eating more vegetables is better for our bodies. It's also better for the climate. So it it releases less gases that can contribute to climate change. And overall, if we could start eating more plants on a really massive level, this could help in terms of climate change. So I can send you a few links to some of the latest research that I've been using. There's been some great pieces. The New York Times, for example, showing the effect of eating more plants on the environment. And what, so you didn't start your marriage out with a plant-based diet. What changes have you seen? 
Yeah, we started out eating fast food and frozen food. So we started a couple years into our marriage to eat a lot more plants. And probably the bigger change for us was eating just a lot of home cooking and no processed ingredients. So we started making our own salad dressings and making our own crackers when we could and making our own bread when we had time and just making everything at home. And we have seen big changes and just feeling better, losing a little bit of weight. It wasn't drastic, but just feeling a lot better about our bodies, sleeping better. And one thing I like to talk about as well is just the mental and psychological changes that we felt, especially I found when we first started eating this way, we started going to farmer's markets a lot and meeting our local farmers and making relationships and buying our eggs from our new farmer friend and getting our goat cheese from the artisanal Indiana goat cheese producer. And we just, I felt so much more fulfilled. I was used to shopping at a really anonymous supermarket with fluorescent light and having that change to buying from farmers who were my friends and said, hi, hi, Sonia, how was your week? Um, that was huge for me. And that, that gave me a lot more personal satisfaction in feeding myself along with cooking along with my husband in the kitchen. So there was this large kind of bucket of psychological connection to my food that was really filled with this new way of eating. Was it easy to make the change? I think I just would go back to little baby steps. The thing that I talked about before, I mean, it was hard. I mean, we were learning a lot of new things and changing patterns that had been ingrained over years and years. But because it was such a gradual change, it was actually pretty easy. And again, having a partner along with me to research things and figure out what, how to, you know, make the very best veggie soup or veggie chili or finding the best person at the farmer's market to buy a crazy vegetable from like it was it it was really helpful to have someone else along the way so I would say it was a big change but it wasn't hard because it was so gradual nice and are, are you doing things to make sure that you get full nutrition in your diet that you get all the nutrients that you need what do you do about that yeah, that's a good question. We're pretty intuitive about the way we eat and we're not really like spreadsheet type of people in terms of the way that we eat. So we're not doing a lot of nutritional breakdowns and calorie counting because we found there was a, a period in our lives when we thought that was the way you're supposed to eat and that brought just a lot of restriction mindset and um, felt really oppressive. So we don't do a lot of analysis in terms of the way we're eating, but we do eat ton of veggies, a lot of whole grains, and we make sure to get a lot of plant-based proteins because that's what fills you up when you're eating a lot of vegetables. You really have to have those plant-based proteins um, like legumes, chickpeas, lentils, black beans, whole grains like quinoa and barley and then nuts and seeds and that type of thing. So we're really cognizant about creating meals that are based around that. And then we're not fully plant-based. We do sometimes eat some sustainable seafood or meat and try to mix it up. Awesome. I found you because of your column, Voraciously Plant-Powered, at the Washington Post. Tell me how that came about, because that's a pretty big gig for you. And what kind of success are you seeing with it? The uh, food editor over at Washington Post contacted us through our cookbook, Pretty Simple Cooking. So we came out with a vegetarian and vegan cookbook a couple years ago. 
And they had reviewed a recipe from our books. I'm not sure if that's how they found us, but they, they went through our publisher to get our con- contact information and just told us about the projects. And we were really, really excited to get on board because it was exactly what we're passionate about, too. So, so yeah, it has been an extremely popular newsletter series for them, which we are just thrilled about. Um, it is their fastest growing email newsletter series to date, and it has one of the highest open rates of wow. all their newsletters. So, yeah, we are just thrilled that people are so excited about eating more plants. Nice. And how long has the uh, newsletter been going out? So, it's interesting. It's a 12 week newsletter series, and you can sign up anytime. So, it originally launched three months ago, but it continues into the future. So you can sign up anytime you want and you'll get those 12 newsletters, one every week for 12 weeks. So it will continue going around and around um, for eternity, I suppose. Yeah. And how does somebody sign up for it? Yeah, there's a link to sign up. You don't have to be a subscriber to Washington Post or anything um, and it's free, a free newsletter, a free resource. So I can give you a link to that and you can put it in your show notes. Excellent. So we'll have that long link in our show notes so that you can all go and join that newsletter. That sounds great. So can you tell us a little bit about your organization, Indie Women and Food? Yes. So a friend of mine and I started this organization two years ago. It was after an event that was a panel discussion related to women working in food here in Indianapolis. And that event was so well attended. There were so many people in the audience just excited about women working in the food industry, and I met so many people that I had no idea were doing incredible work in my city in food. And so my co-founder, Ashley Brooks, and I both separately have an idea of what can we do to keep this momentum going, to continue to connect women working in this industry who might feel kind of siloed or like they're alone. And we had a mutual friend who said, hey, you guys both have this idea. So we had coffee and did, you know, the old scratch it out on a napkin idea for starting an organization that connects women working in food here in Indianapolis. So we originally started with mainly an online presence to connect women in an online kind of group where people can meet and share ideas and ask for help. And then we've started putting on events for our community. So this year we've been focusing on a series called Diversity Panel Series, and we've really focused on shining the light on women, doing great things in food here in Indy with a specific focus on racial equity. So we have been really focusing on bringing to light all sorts of amazing women doing great things um, with different and diverse backgrounds. And it has been a really big success here in Indianapolis. And there's not a lot of people talking about this as a big issue. So we've had a lot of great feedback about diversity and inclusion and what that looks like in our city. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been been an amazing way to connect because my platform is, is mainly national and worldwide. So it's been cool to have a way to connect with my community here. Yeah. I do the same thing. I have a national uh, presence with the podcast, and then I have a 
pretty good reach here in Phoenix that I get to interact with people on a daily basis. I know that that works really well. Yeah, it's so important to have those actual in-person relationships right now that technology has allowed us to communicate more and more across the country and across the world. There's something kind of novel about, you know, interacting with people in real life too. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. Sure. I love talking about failure because that is the way that I learned so much in the kitchen. We have had so many recipe fails that I don't even know how to pick out one of them. But what I wanted to talk about as a failure today is just in our cookbook process. We decided that we wanted to pitch a cookbook and we wanted to go the traditional publishing route. We had to find an agent and we had several fails in trying to convince agents to work with us. Some some of them said that our idea wasn't developed enough or we didn't have enough followers or whatever the case was. And I was just really, really passionate about writing a book, about getting our recipes out there in a different way, in a very tangible way on paper. And we kept going, trying to connect with the right person. And finally, on a faded day, found someone who really believed in us and our vision and knew what we wanted to do with the cookbook and signed on and we were able to um, publish the book and get a deal. And that's how the cookbook got here, but it was such a long process. It was years. I would say it was probably all in all from conception to actually publishing it about four years. Wow. Two of those trying to come up with the right proposal and find an agent. And then two of those years writing the book and the publisher editing the book before we ever got to see it. Excellent. And what do you consider your biggest success? You know, I feel like my biggest success is any times that I feed someone, any time that one of my recipes ends up on someone's plate and they tell me about it on Instagram or via email or just someone in my life here in Indianapolis says, I made your chili and it was so great. I feel like that is my biggest success to be able to have a recipe that nourishes someone that they can make with their family. I say that that is my biggest success and I am so thrilled any time that I hear that someone has done that. Awesome. And what drives you? I guess a pa- just a passion for connecting with, and I'll say first, people over food. So my love for people is what got me into food because I wanted to have people over for dinner. And I think it's what keeps me in food because people are behind every part of the food process. They're behind the growing it. They're behind the distributing it. They're behind the cooking it. They're behind every little part, their heritage and their creative ideas. And then, of course, the eating it part. So I think that is what drives me is a passion to feed people, to nourish them, and to, yeah, to just improve their everyday life. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? So a great book on food that I love is called Food Rules by Michael Pollan. Have you talked about this book yet? I don't think so. I've not heard of it. Okay, great. So you know Michael Pollan, I'm sure. He has a lot of really dense books out there about food, but he also has a little paperback book that's more of like a coffee table book, and it's called Food Rules, and all the rules are relate to something about the way we eat. 
And it's trying to just take everyday wisdom, like what your grandmother would say about how to eat. And he made it into these little cute little rules. So, for example, one of the rules is if you can make a junk food item at home, then you should make, then you can make it. So, like, don't go out for fast food french fries, but if you can make them at home in your oven, then they're totally permissible. So, things like that, it's a really cute conversation starter and kind of a way to think more intuitively about the way that you eat. Beautiful. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I would say one thing I like to tell people, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're just trying to learn something new, is stay in the game. And this is what I think has allowed us to be able to be living our dream today of working for ourselves and also just helped us to be able to learn how to cook. It's just stay in the game when it when um, things get hard, when you feel like you don't know where you're going in your career, when you just feel overwhelmed, when you feel totally dizzy or that you're failing too many times. It's about staying in the game. Remember the passion that brought you here in the first place and just continue to persevere and stick around. I had a previous career in classical music, so actually my, um, I went to college for music and got really burnt out and I didn't stay in the game. And I think if I would have just stuck around, I would have been doing it today. But I changed my career focus to writing and then food. And now I'm really committed to this is my passion and I want to stay around and I want to keep learning. And yeah, so I would say just stay in the game um, with wherever you're at, whether it's learning to cook or learning to garden or running your own business. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Sonia. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. How can our listeners find you? My website is acouplecooks.com. So that's a couple cooks with no of. And we're also on social media at a couple cooks anywhere. Excellent. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash a couple cooks. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.